A couple days ago, the chosen emperor conjured a stately pleasure barge from thin air. It was crewed by eager daemons and fueled by the supreme egotistical force. Spikes of coral and poison and love drove the barge away back up the coast, away from the coral spirit's precious home. The chosen emperor turned around in defeat, but not in surrender. The spirit knew the scent of a demon, yes, but what of an insignificant emissary? Neither the chosen emperor or coral spirit seemed even to care about those. Welcome to Sword of Symphonies. host i'm your king i'm your supreme egotistical force it's me cat hi cat hi kirsten's here kirsten say hello hello everybody i am here you, you didn't sound convinced about that bud <laughs> well i mean i'm pretty sure i'm here but i mean perhaps perhaps i i i don't know no I, i'm pretty sure i'm here I'm pretty sure I'm we're here. recording early today <laughs> yeah, we have got a Nick. We do. I've had my coffee and everything. Yeah, typically a morning person. These days, yes, oddly enough. Yeah, same. We've changed in our old age, my dude. Yeah, for the first couple of <laughs> decades of my life, no, but, well, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's still holding on to the night owl tendencies of youth. It's Kathleen. It's absolutely true. The only problem is that, like, right now, you said stately, and now all I can think about is how I on Honeydew hath fed and so forth. Literature and philosophy. We've got a really highbrow opening. So let's weave a circle around the podcast thrice. (laughs) So, previously on Sword of Symphonies... The party ventured back to Origin Island, the midpoint of the race they engaged in with Clara back in the day. Because they knew that on Origin Island, there was a tree with white star-shaped leaves. With Fulquin, Rada, and Daybreak aboard, they journeyed back here to, I'm not the site of their first victory, but the midway point at any rate, And spent some time in the garden at the tomb of the great conqueror. Fulquin spent some time in contemplation under the tree. So did Tissa, who learned some stuff. Don't worry about the stuff. When the party was interrupted by the sound of a lesser daemon scratching its way up the side of the plateau. It was uh, mashed to death by Daybreak and Rada. And then the party heard a sound, like the ringing of a struck bell. And that is where we uh, rejoin our our good friends. You guys are our good friends. It's you. Oh, oh. Sorry, I was was drinking my water. (laughs) (laughs) We all hear the bell, right? Mm -hmm. Hear slash feel the bell. Yes, you hear it, but more importantly, you feel it. It is as if the atmosphere is trembling. Does... Does everybody feel that? 
Cobb stands up a little straighter and looks around. Was that... Was that Gideon? That was Ged. We need to go. Right now. I guess this is going to go back to the grave where... Is Fulquin still contemplating or is she stirred too? She wasn't stirred by this, but you see her on her knees in front of the tree, just kind of um, digging, like scratching with her hands against the ground. Okay. Um, I'm okay. I'm okay. Okay. We, uh, there's, there's trouble. Um, I'll be okay. My dragons are here. Okay. We'll be fine. And Rada nods. Be safe. Mm. I'll meet you guys back at the ship. And Tissa's going to get two successes on daring athletics to catch up with Cobb and Penelope, who, well, I don't know what they're doing. Cobb, maybe. Maybe Penelope's in the air. I don't know. Maybe. We were all kind of together, right? We were all kind of together looking at the cliff, correct? Okay, so I think Penelope is going to wait till um, Tissa gets outside. And then as soon as Tissa comes outside, um, are the others coming? They're, um, they're finishing up. They'll meet us. We need to go. Okay, okay. Penelope hops on Polly's back, but doesn't take to the air. It's just going along with, like, with the others. And Penelope, I need you down there as fast as you can get. We'll catch up. Just go. Oh, okay. Righto, and then Penelope takes off to the ship. And what Penelope sees uh, almost immediately upon taking to the air is that the Westbreaker is surrounded in a pale blue light. Cobb would notice that it's sitting a little higher in the water than usual. I don't think Penelope registers this or even really knows what to look for in that regard. But it is embubbled in a barrier. And there are little figures kind of scratching at this barrier from the outside. Looks like five of them. Oh. Oh, dear. What are the spell pieces around here right now? Color, silence, sudden, resting, and tomb. Uh, I think Penelope's going to cast a little spell. Okay. I think she's going to cast a spell called Restoring Color that is going to give everyone a quick mental image of what she sees of the Westbreaker so everyone know uh, to show everyone. I'm going to ask you for, I think, two scatter for that. Okay. So as Penelope's flying, her eyes kind of shift and their color kind of absorbs the color of what's around the ship. And they sort of go a little bit blank looking as she wills the what she's seeing to be um, in the, the minds of the others. Copy's just kind of thinking, well, I'm very glad Gideon is there. Although I'm less glad that we're kind of forcing her to return to her uh, previous situation. We'll have to do something about that. But I am glad she is well-practiced. Oh, there, there is that. This is something she knows how to do. The party 
hurries down to the Westbreaker and they see a collection of roughly human-sized creatures, very similar to the one that Daybreak snatched off the side of the plateau. They are stooped, their movements are awkward and leaning, and their arms swing freely as if disconnected. They have massive golden claws that completely obscure any hands they may or may not have. And their faces are blank, empty, just gold helmets. And they are scratching at the barrier surrounding the Westbreaker, attempting to get aboard. And I suppose it's time for a tactics pool because this is a combat that I have prepared for you. This um, does indeed seem like a uh, combat situation. Seems like time for a fight, huh? It it, it Mm -hmm. does. I am glad we were closer to the boat than I thought we were. Well, it does take a bit. But I I imagine that we can't spend time in podcasts just saying, still running? How you doing? Still running? (laughs) (laughs) I guess the real question is how much running? I think there is enough running that if we were to start combat from when Penelope sees what's going on, I would have to have two Penelope-only rounds if she were to land, which I don't suspect is a good idea. Actually, in that case, then, I think Cobb is going to try and get us there a little faster. Okay. Tissa, what were your spell pieces again? Because Cobb wants to do a chord with Tissa. Mm-hmm. Finding, speaking, searing, heat, respite, stands, starlight, and perfect. Uh, in that case, then, Cobb would like to borrow finding and cast finding sudden crew to just show up there. Okay. I think I'd ask for four for that. Four it is, then. Okay. How do you want to share? Do you want to go two, two, or you want to go three, one? Uh, we'll go three, one. Cobb doesn't spend a ton of magic in combat, whereas Tissa does. Okay. Cobb stops running for a moment and kind of has Tissa do the same and just says, I need your help here. Give me a second. What are we... Okay. Says this might be a little disorienting, but weapon in hand, on three, turn around. <laughs> okay. One, two, and then on three, Cobb and Tissa turn around and they're just on the beach. And with that, I believe it's time to form an advantage pool. Cobb rolled very well. He got three successes. One success, one edge. Two successes and two edge successes. I suppose I should have said this up front, but we have a couple mechanics in this combat. There are five of these creatures. They get five turns per round. Every time destroy is advanced, they get one fewer turn per round. Advancing destroy means literally destroying one of these daemons. The other one is that the Westbreaker's barrier can take damage. If you take this edge success, that will happen. Hmm, okay. Should I presume it's like a five-step track kind of thing? Is it more Uh, like a... I think it's a five-step track. Okay. They've been beating on it for a while, so we'll say sure. Okay. Like we show up and it's already been damaged a bit because they've been trying to get in. Yeah. Kirsten. So is the same thing for my successes as well? No, that would be challenging. 
You know what? I think I'm going to do an enemy AI thing and just say that I am absolutely going to swing for the fucking fences first turn. Oh. I'm going to be extremely aggro with this first turn. Ooh, um, sure. <laughs> I'm taking it. Okay. That puts the party at nine. Gonna need it. So. <laughs> oh, no. Now I have this, like, what have I done? What have you done? I never said I was gonna do it to you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> So what is the party doing on this, their first turn? Well, I think Cobb is just going to start off and Cobb mad that they are attacking crew and boat. So he's just going to get in there and mix it up and just kind of go, back me up, Tissa. Uh, and he is going to be adding to the pool. Okay. He'll be using daring melee weapons. Yeah. He is drawing his captains down. He is just getting in there and trying to get these things away from the ship. Okay. Uh, that's a pretty good roll. Three successes. Three successes, yay! Cobb has a lot of fight mode, so that is slightly better than average. Mm -hmm. Cobb is very good at fight mode. This is absolutely true. Tissa is right in the same place, and I imagine like Cobb charging in and doing something really physical, like maybe knocking one of the demons back. And Tissa sees that Damon is off balance, and she points the spear at it and uses the assist pool ability Ice Ray. Yeah. Oh, I should have asked how many, dis how much destroy costs. Six. Six. Okay, that's what I was guessing actually. So we'll use Ice Ray, which does three points of destroy and take three from the assist pool. Nice Cobb Tissa one-two punch. A cold ray of brilliant starlight pierces through the clouds. You cannot see the stars, but they are there, make no mistake, and they are watching, and they will not abide this. A ray of searing light drops onto one of these, and it makes an oddly human, if muffled, cry, and is just vaporized into gold dust. First. Penelope's gonna cast a spell. Sudden arrow. Okay. And it's going to be like an arrow storm. Okay. What are you attempting to do? Are you attempting to advance destroy or are you attempting to add to the pool? Yeah, advance destroy. Okay. Can it be called arrow tomb? Can it be called arrow tomb? Because that's like extremely JRPG. <laughs> it's very JRPG. <laughs> it kind of is. <laughs> I mean, you can do it however you want, but like... <laughs> So, now my question for Kirsten, aside from can it be Aerotomb? Ooh. Is. They actually, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm good with that. <laughs> okay. My question for you is, advancing destroy costs six. Are you spending six scatter or are you taking from the pool? Ooh, uh, after my turn, it's the enemy's turn, right? Mm-hmm. We're at nine. Oh, we need to see if we are going to need it. I'm going to spend four and take two. Yeah, I was just going to say, remember, advancing destroy does give them one less action. Yes, which is good to do. They are probably big jerks. They're extremely big jerks. Human-sized jerks, which is pretty big as far as animals go, really. <laughs> yeah, when you think about it. 
So I think what we're gonna do is we're gonna start with a coordinated strike against Tissa. Target takes one damage per action the encounter gets this round. Three. So three or Tissa takes three damage. I'll take three damage. Okay. This is tough. Now I've got a move I'm going to use twice, and I'm sorry about this. So they see that they've got through. They press the advantage. Target takes one damage per damage taken this round or pay for. (laughs) Oh, no. Well, we can't stop it twice, but we can stop it once, and we should. Okay. Okay. So Tissa takes six damage. Wait, what? We had seven. We had seven, yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, no. You brought this upon her. So Tiss is more beat up than she's been in, I think, the entire podcast. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. But that is their turn because you had the presence of mind to kill two of them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, how close would I be to Tissa? So I was thinking of rolling Understanding Medicine to help patch a Tissa up. Tissa probably would yell something like, I'm fine, later. Get them. Oh, <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> you do kind of want to get them, is the thing. Cobb is going to retaliate. He's going to use his key of justice and just kind of yell, leave my crew alone. And he's just going to try and cut one of them down. All right. Rolling to destroy, is that what I'm hearing? Rolling to destroy, yes. Uh, well, so Cobb's going to take one from the pool because he rolled exceptionally well with four successes and one edge. Ooh. Ooh. Cobb mad. Do not hurt Cobb friends. If you keep the edge success, I'm going to let them take three turns next round, even though one of them is dead. Uh, how much do we, oh, we have three in the pool? Yeah, one from the pool is going to be better than however much they're going to get. So Cobb will not take the edge and will instead take two from the pool. Okay. Pools at one. Uh, and Cobb is just being very, like, no nonsense about this. He probably just cuts this thing's head off. Yeah. The one that hit Tissa just clean all the way through. Yes. Kristen, you were aghast when Rada murdered one. Yeah. You were shocked and aghast. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but now, now, I guess now it's like, oh, they're, they're attacking the ships. <laughs> Yeah, to be fair, when we saw the first one, we didn't know what it was up to. And they do look like people. Mm-hmm. Mm, they do look kind of like people. So, Penelope and Tissa, what are your thoughts? I think Penelope's going to rule understanding writing to try to distract their attention away from the Westbreaker and add to the pool. I don't think that's understanding writing. Uh, oh, did I say I have daring? Uh, or I guess, yeah. Yeah, it could be... I take daring, yeah. Okay. I take daring. For uh, that. Sorry, I think that's what I uh, did. I say, yeah, yeah, daring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. I love that. Ah, only two successes. Okay, we'll add two successes to the pool. Okay, so we're at three. We are at three. I guess Tissa is going to use adaptability mid-ranged weapons and activate her key of compulsion to defend herself. Push them back, get some space. Yep. And I guess also use the assist ability clarity so that she knows better how to do that. Asking the stars to help her move a little bit better and not get cut up so much. Yeah, I like that. 
So that's a whole heap of dice. So... Big dice. One success and three edge successes plus two from the assistability. Let's amp this race up a little bit. Every edge success is one more crack in the Westbreaker's barrier. There's one now. Three would take it to four and make this a race. Let's take two of them. Now you can see the cracks. You can definitely hear them. A sound like dropping a china teacup. Accompanied by the same feeling of regret. How much are we adding to the pool? Five. Okay, that brings the pool to eight. So still a pretty good roll. That's a very good roll. Okay. So one of them makes a leaping rake at Tissa, takes a jump, claws ready to just slice. And this costs four, target takes two damage. Hmm. Well, they also have their press the attack, so they can just double and double up on this if it hits. Advance, it should be noted, also costs four. But isn't, isn't the whole point of that one that they have to get a hit first? Yep. So I, I say we spend the four on this one. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Tissa is able to just step to the side just barely. Yeah, the stars whispered that this was coming. And Tissa listened. The next move is going to be targeting Cobb. It costs six to avoid. So it's happening. Target takes eight damage and destroy advances as one of them leaps onto Cobb's shoulder and begins glowing incandescent gold until it just melts. Its entire figure turns into molten gold and drops onto Cobb. Great damage. Damn. That'll definitely drop Cobb to a knee. It does, however, advance destroy. The name of the attack is Expendable. And there's one left, and it's the party's turn. Penelope is going to try to advance destroy using lightning field. Okay. Four successes, and then I get an additional four damage. Okay. Please tell me about lightning field destroying this daemon, please. Penelope watches as Cobb gets engulfed by this melting gold figure and is like, oh snap, we need to end this now. Gives a little nod to Polly, draws back her bow, and is like, this isn't happening anymore. Let's it go with a twang. And lightning strikes, spider webs out over the last figure and zaps it till it disappears. It melts into the sand and vanishes. And I think immediately after that, Penelope rushes over to Cobb because he has just been engulfed in in melting metal. Yep, and it eventually vanishes. It's a demon, not daemon rather. It's not literal gold, but it did do a big hurt to the big boy. It got me through the coat even. Oh my gosh. Here, let's let's get you aboard. Uh, I think we've got some white men on the bridge or on the ship. Not thinking very well. Give me a second. And yeah, Cobb is going to, like, shakily try and make his way back to the ship where where medical supplies and burn ointment are surely awaiting. 
Yeah. The ship is floating slightly higher in the bay than it was before. And it is uh, surrounded by a bubble. I, I, I assume we can't get through the bubble? Cobb is going to knock on the bubble. Hmm. It makes a peculiar chiming sound as you do. Get in, get in, let us, let us, it's, we, we got rid of him, let us in. I, I need the medical cabinet. Uh, spoilers, the person you're trying to reach is not available to take your call right now. <laughs> right, right. Sot, Sot, are you up there? Can you turn this off? Uh. Probably not, eh? You see his little head peek over the gunwale. It is getting all right. I don't know. I, I mean, did she hit her head or anything when she passed out? I'm sure she's passed out. Yeah, yeah, she's passed out. Okay, well, she probably knows enough not to, not to knock herself out when she's doing that. I guess we're just gonna have to wait for it to dissolve. <laughs> it's very cracked. I think Penelope just takes out an arrow and clunk. If it's quite cracked, just hits it with an arrow. Roll me some dice, please. I think that'll be probably adaptability long-range weapons. That sounds right to me, yeah. Three successes. Three successes will definitely put another crack in the barrier. It is further weakening. The cracks that you saw before are splintering and spider webbing out over its surface. Tissa doesn't like this. She sort of like balls up in the rowboat and puts her hands over her ears. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Tissa. Here, uh, wait, uh, one more shot, everybody. Uh, I think Penelope's just gonna do another kathunk. Another kathunk? How many successes on the second kathunk? Two successes, two edge. If you keep the edge successes, this will break the barrier. But... Huh? But... <laughs> Are you sure you want to do that this way? Oh. Oh, that's... Yeah, Cobb's like, hold on, Penelope. We have no idea if we break it, what it'll do to Gideon. Yeah, right, right. Hmm. Okay, yes. well... I think Penelope is going to roll an understanding roll, just to, like, not understanding humanity, that wouldn't work. I guess just a pure understanding roll. She's seen uh, some of Gideon's magic. Yeah, to be like, maybe it's not a good idea to do this. So, this is pure understanding. How does... Would this... It, how is it Gideon attached to her magic? Yeah. Um, one success and one edge. Let's see, if you keep the edge success, I'm not going to be 100% truthful to you, but I am going to give you some information. Mm, okay. Okay. Here's what you know about magic. Magic is cast by pushing yourself out of yourself, which means all of the magic that you produce is pieces of your consciousness that are outside your body and influencing the world around you. Oh, okay. The barrier could literally be said to be Gideon. All right. 
I think after Cobb is like, are you sure? Then Penelope kind of like looks at Cobb and then looks at the barrier and then kind of has this like, oh wait, oh no, flash in her eyes. It kind of puts her hand to the barrier and is like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and then just like, we, yeah, we should, you're, you're right, Cobb, we should wait. Well, let's, let's go back to shore. Help me, help me look for brown kelp. We can boil it down. It'll, it makes a, and Cobb winces at his burns. It makes a decent ointment. And as you return to the beach, the sun is blotted out by enormous wings. As a maritime eagle lands on the beach near you. I, I daybreak. Whoa. What happened down here? <sighs> Uninvited guests. <sighs> A bunch of them. As Cobb is like sifting through the shallows looking for brown kelp. Trying not to get too much salt water on himself. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go get the princess. I'll be right back. And... Daybreak takes the skies again and eventually comes back. Jem and Rada are just behind them. This time they're in the shape of a cloud elk and sitting on their back is Fulquin, who you can see even from a distance is clutching something against her chest. I think Penelope, as she sees them approach, gives a subdued little wave, is is helping Boyle said, did we find kelp? I guess that's a survival rule, hey. Tissa will roll sensitivity survival with discovery. Mm. That is a good key piece. Mm-hmm. Mm. So that's six. Uh, two successes, an edge, and a four. Two successes will do the trick, yeah. All right. I think Penelope's helping boil some water to start the kelp then. Yeah. So as Tissa is poking around in the shallows, I'm assuming trying very, very hard to focus on the task in front of her and not on the other million things that are wrong or on the pain or on the worry. Extremely so, yes. She finds several things. She sees a starfish. There is a jellyfish that has found itself beached and is drying out in the air. And there is brown kelp, the kind that Cobb described to her. How long has the jellyfish been drying out for? I'm going to say not long. Okay. So, yeah, she's going to use subtlety survival plus empathy to try to get it back into the water because, like, she's hurting a lot. Everything around her is hurting a lot. There shouldn't be another thing that has to be hurting a lot, too. Um. So that's five dice. Success and edge in a four. If you keep the edge success, you're going to get stung. Yeah, that seems about how this day is going. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You take an additional damage from the jellyfish's sting as you get it back into the water, but soon you see its bell begin to pulse, and it seems to be happy back in the ocean. It seems to be okay. Well, it's back in the ocean anyway. It's doing the jellyfish things. Yep. It's back where it belongs. Yeah, and so she, like, stiffly makes her way back to where Penelope has a fire going. All right. Fire's got started. 
Rada produces a pot because Rada's probably the rangeriest ranger and almost always has their survival gear on them. Mm-hmm. Very different from from Penelope, who, whose preparation is throwing in some pocket snacks. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Rada has always been the wilderness type. And Folkwin hops off daybreak and immediately rushes over. And are are you all all right? She is holding an ancient sword in her hands, clutching it against her chest. We'll we'll be fine eventually. That doesn't look like what we came here to get. One of her hands is wrapped around the blade. It's old enough and damaged enough that she can just hold it by the blade. It's really beat up. But she unwraps her other hand around the hilt, and you can see that there is a large green stone set in it. Oh, oh. Oh. You know, I know someone who might be able to restore that for you. Oh. I'm not sure I want it to be a sword. Well, it's up to you. Mm. She kind of raises the sword to her cheek. Are you okay? Are any of you okay? I think at this, Penelope just gives Fulquin, just has the urge to give Fulquin a, a big hug and doesn't doesn't say anything, just gives Fulk, uh, just gives a big hug and then steps back. It's <laughs> like, well, Penelope seems fine. Rada grumbles, looks up from the pot. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, we're... Uh, some of us have seen uh, better days, but we're we're working on a soothing that, Penelope says as she glances at Cobb. Yeah, Cobb has put his coat over on a rock or something, and he's just kind of sitting there trying not to get more uh, anything on his burns, although this close to the sea, it's... Almost impossible to do that. You can see that Tissa's scarves look slightly reconfigured. There are some of them that are like, instead of covering, are like tied on her arms and legs. Like, we see a little bit what she considers them to be practical for. Mm. Sort of staunching bleedings. Um, why are we... Why is the ship... Huh? Uh, we're, we're waiting. There, uh, Gideon had put up a barrier to help give us some time and protect the ship, but, uh, has, uh, gone un- unconscious in, in that fact, so we're waiting till the, the barrier subsides. Hmm. And in the meanwhile, we're boiling kelp. Oh, thank you, Tessa. Mm-hmm. takes a deep breath and rests her cheek against the hilt of the sword and closes her eyes. Have you... Have you tried talking to it? Talking to who? The bubble? Your friend. Oh. It's so loud. Talking to unusual manifestations is more Tissa's thing. Tissa, can you talk to it? It's loud. It's loud. It's loud. Um. Well, if t- if it's too loud, don't worry. Wait again. Well, we can wait it out. 
Here, you look like you could use some of the kelp as well, so. Yeah. Yeah. Can I... Can I get you anything, Tissa? I'm okay. 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 Penelope, can you try? Um, he says you can talk to it. Oh, uh, yeah, I, 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 I could give it a shot. <laughs> um, I don't have focus, but I guess just a understand, pure understanding role. Um, what do you think, Kat? Actually, I'm going to ask you for a boatload of scatter. Oh. In order to communicate with basically what is a manifestation of a person that has been pushed outside of them, you're going to have to push some of you outside of you. Okay. I think what's going to happen then, in this case, Penelope is probably going to have to push herself beyond into unconsciousness and then thus reach Gideon as well. But this will set her unconscious for a little bit too Yeah, Penelope can have a little journey, too. Penelope can have a little journey as a treat. (laughs) So I think Penelope settles herself in the sand, closes her eyes, and begins to, like, sway back and forth, and is picturing Gideon in her mind, just, like, thinking about Gideon, trying to, even though she doesn't, feel magic as Tissa does, trying to think about how Tissa talks about feeling magic and just thinking about herself in the sand and just trying to take in everything. And as she does, everything starts to become much brighter and louder and the sand starts to feel coarser and everything becomes a lot and eventually she just falls back. As she's falling back unconscious, I guess she hears her voice in her head calling out and she knows, just somehow knows that it's reaching Gideon saying, wake up, it's time. Okay, so there are a couple things you notice as the world grows too vivid around you. You feel a sudden sting of empathetic pain in your shoulder. As you see Cobb hunched over the pot waiting for this to boil. You feel pain everywhere, but most importantly, you feel a clenching in your heart. And you see Tissa balled up, I'm assuming, nearby. Mm-hmm. You feel a fear, a great uncertainty, and a ton of pain in your leg. But then you see Rada reach out and take Fulquin by the hand, and everything but the pain is lessened. And then all of it fades. All of it fades and is replaced with what looks like a crayon sketch of the Temple of Gaius Gray. It is the vague impression of an altar, a memory of a sketch of a pillar. And you see a person sitting on that half-formed altar, eyes closed in contemplation. 
And you see her open her eyes. And then everything goes dim. And then it's memory time. I really liked that ending. It's very poetic. It was a very cool cinematic ending. Yes. Like, just, well, the, just the whole pace and arc of the episode was just, oh, yeah, very satisfying. You can tell that we meant business with that combat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, Me too. <laughs> everybody did. That was fast and furious a lot more than they usually are. <laughs> it felt good to cut loose. I'll tell you that much. Mm-hmm. <sighs> it felt good to strike to kill. That was that was just a slugfest. This must be why Dylan likes hurting people so much. <laughs> <laughs> I really like Tissa throwing the jellyfish back, even if it got her. That was nice. I mean, she'd already been gotten. Yeah. It was just the latest thing that day to get her. Yeah, that was like... Again, so very Tissa, just like, aw. I also really appreciate the fact that because this is Penelope's arc, that we had a Tissa who was stepping back and who was too overwhelmed to do the Tissa thing. Mm-hmm. That was a really good play from a story perspective, and I like it. Thank you. Yeah. I have been thinking a lot about, like, how can we have Penelope listen to people around her and think about the emotions of people around here? Mm-hmm. And given that in heroic chord, magic is emotions. A magic like is people's internality made manifest that having Penelope like really engage with magic and other people's magic as a way to do that is, I think, a great storytelling opportunity that the game makes possible. Yeah. Yeah. I I really liked that. Are we going to see overscatter Penelope? I don't think so. But getting a little taste of overscatter Penelope was really beautiful. I liked it. Yeah, because I, I think, like, Penelope, I feel, is sort of the antithesis to Tissa's engagement with magic. Tissa understands a lot about how magic works within that, like, as you were saying, with, like, the emotion and, like, how magic is is a person's whereas Penelope magic she sort of has like it's like okay yeah I, I, maybe gets an inkling of that but it hasn't really engaged with that as much because to her magic has been more of a, a skill and a tool as opposed to like actually really engaging with it and understanding why magic is and the way it is and why it's so personal to everybody so I think gaining more of that empathy of like how people's magic speaks to them and that will open up a whole new avenue for communication in the future, which is quite beautiful. And speaking of avenues of communication. Heyo. Clean. Heyo. Clean. Mm. Clean and crisp. Speaking of avenues of communication, you can find us on Twitter at Peach Garden RPGs. Tell us what you think about Overscatter Penelope. <laughs> Frightened? Intimidated? Enraptured? <laughs> Tell us. Really just too aware of how big sand are. Also a possibility. Also a possibility. 
You can also find us on the Be Gay Roll Dice Network Discord, hanging out with our cool network friends who I guarantee you're going to love. We love them. And on the Heroic Discord, which you can find in our pinned tweet. You can also hit us up on the email form at sortofsymphonies.com. We'd love to hear from you. We love hearing from people. We do. I've officially been called a criminal by a listener, so... So we're on the right track. (laughs) Absolutely. And finally, as of the time that we're recording this, Edge of the World has gone live, which is, if you remember Dylan and Bill, the podcast that Dylan owns Bill and I for, as well as the beautiful Joe and Dalton. You can check that out. Some sound work has been done by local mastermind Kathleen. Thank you very much for that. And, um... Yeah. Bye, Zs. Bye, everybody. Bye. 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 Be gay. Roll dice. An LGBTQIA actual play podcast network. Bored of D&D? Want to try something else? Why not check out Control Group? We test systems so you don't have to. Using our patented mini campaigns along with one shots, we test how far you can stretch systems with our unique ideas and broad storytelling. Our mission statement is to give a voice to those not often heard in the TTRPG community. So whether it be a system you've never heard of, or our testers being people of color, people on the LBGTQIA spectrum, we want to make sure our stories are broad, vast, and told from different perspectives. So whether you want classic role-playing or just big goofs, come listen to us try out systems, some of which we've even made ourselves. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts, or head over to controlgrouppod.com. That's CTRL, just like the key on the keyboard. There you can find the systems we test along with easily accessible PDFs. So check us out if you're into Monster of the Week, Passion Dallas, Passionis, Saw of Fire and Ice, Blazers and Feelings, Gunsight, Void Worlds, Wizards and Wands, Stranded, Interstitial, The Last Shonen, and so much more!